afternoon. Welcome to Why Shamanism Now, a practical path to authenticity, with your host, Christina Pratt, director of the Last Mask Center for Shamanic Healing. She's talking about how shamanic skills can bring us to physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual well-being, especially when nothing else can. Now, here's your host, Christina Pratt. Good afternoon, this is Christina Pratt, and welcome to Why Shamanism Now, A Practical Path to Authenticity. Before we begin, I'd like to call in my ancestors, all that is good and true and beautiful in my ancestral line and in yours. It is on their shoulders that we stand. I'd like to call out to the spirit of the earth and the great, great spirits of the earth to give thanks for this home that we share. And I call out to the energies of the sky to come down to bring us blessing and guidance and protection on this day and our time here together. I'd like to call out to the energy of the heart and its unique power to unite the passions of our bodies with the clarity of our minds and to help each one of us to manifest our soul's true purpose. And for me, the soul's true purpose is really the true answer to why shamanism now. But I'd like to talk about a few things before we get there. So today's show is um, Why Shamanism Now? So we're going to talk about why shamanism, and in particular the focus on how shamanism can bring us answers for challenging times, which we all seem to be in here today together. So let me start with uh, what shamanism was, and then we'll go on to what it is, maybe a little bit of what it isn't, and then... um, And then hopefully I'll begin to take some questions and we'll continue to explore how shamanism can help us um, in our lives today. So what shamanism was, I think the important thing for all of us to understand who are listening here today is that shamanism is in all of our ancestral lines, on all the continents and all the people all over our planet Back at some point in time, your ancestors lived in a shamanic way, meaning they had shamans among them, and they all um, experienced a way of understanding their life on earth through a shamanic paradigm. And we can talk about what a shamanic paradigm is uh, real in-depth as we go on with the show. Um, But to put it simply, at the core of a shamanic paradigm is the understanding that all things are connected and that separation from the divine is not possible. Separation from anything really isn't possible, that all things are one, they're all made out of the same energy, it's all one great big system, and that our task as humans is to understand how to, be, how to participate in that system in a good way, in a way that supports all life, and in particular, to bring out through the actions of our life that unique genius that we bring, to the world that will never be seen again and it never has been seen and it's this very special gift that each one of us, every living thing has to offer and that it is our task in this life to find that thing and manifest it as fully as we possibly can. So, back to shamanism. So, shamanism, to live from a shamanic paradigm then is living from this perspective that all things are connected and that it is our task as humans to fit into that system and work with that system in concert with all living things. So in the in the early, early ancient times, 
shamans were many things to their people because we all have to remember there weren't a lot of people and there was an awful lot of nature around, a lot of wilderness and not a lot of folks. So at that time, probably everybody was doing double duty, but shamans at that time were not only doing the shamanic work, working with the, the nature of the energy and the soul, the spirits of the people and how those energies are relating with the spirit energies in their environment. Um, but many of the shamans were also medicine people, um, people who are who are dispensing physical remedies, be they plant remedies or whatever. Many shamans were also what we would now consider spiritual functionaries or priests, priestesses, um, and probably what we would now consider psychologists. They were many things, and as time evolved, um, many of these different aspects of what shamans used to be have evolved into professions in their own right. While that's happening, though, shamanism remains, um, in particular, the aspect of all the different modalities for healing we have access to that allows us to deal directly with the soul and the energy of the soul in relationship to all the other invisible energies that make up our life. And that in and of itself is probably a whole show. But... um, One of the things for those of you that may be skeptical about invisible energies is think about this. A human being is physical, is emotional, is mental, and spiritual. We have these four aspects that make up who we are and our experience of the world. And only one of those aspects, the physical, is visible and manifest. Emotionally, mentally, psychologically, all the stuff that goes into the realm of the mind that we uh, give so much stock to in this culture and all that is in the spirit realm, no matter how you understand the spirit realm, all of these things are invisible to us. So we can begin to understand the invisible world simply by understanding how much of our own life as an individual human is invisible to us and yet we know how profoundly these things affect us. And so shamanism... The practices of shamanism are looking for techniques for humans to engage in that allow us to engage this invisible world, particularly when the problem or the source of the problem is in the invisible world. So a classic old story about that is a story about the shaman and the missionary doctor who are there in the same village and the little kid falls off something and breaks his leg and they take him to the missionary doctor and he sets it and all is well. And the missionary doctor wanders over to the shaman and says, so, you know, what do you think about the how I set the leg? And the shaman says, well, you did a fabulous job. It's great. It's going to heal beautifully. And now let's find out why he fell down. And so shamanism is looking at the energy of well-being or the understanding of well-being in a holistic fashion, that it is physical and mental, emotional, and spiritual. And so this is this is where our ancestors were coming from when they were coming from a shamanic perspective is their own holistic nature and how they as an individual are connected to all things and then the holistic nature of this great oneness of life. So that's much of what shamanism was. And interestingly enough, at the level of function, it's exactly what shamanism still is. Shamanism is still a set of techniques or modalities by which the shaman can engage that invisible world uh, to help people 
and places and things to resolve the problems that the source of which reside in that invisible world. So to be make to ground this for you, to make this more practical. Typical kinds of things a contemporary shaman might be asked to deal with would be, let's say there's a junior high with a particularly high rate of um, uh, emotional distress, um, psychological illness, suicide even. And we notice that that middle school is right next to a graveyard. And so what a shaman could do would be to come in and, and look at what is going on in the interaction between the living and the dead there that is causing such strife for the living and to find a way to heal the land there, that is the, the graveyard land, to heal the land and to work with the spirits of the land to be able to let the dead be where the dead belong and the living be where the living belong. Another example would be sometimes we, contemporary people, often say things like, I've never been the same since that accident. Or I left that woman and she just took my heart with her when she went. Or um, any kind of statement like that where we remember back to a time in our life we have not been the same since. And from a shamanic perspective, that's possibly true that at that moment, in that time of strife or trauma or struggle or whatever that intense moment was, a part of ourselves did get stuck there in that time and hasn't gone forward with us. And the shaman's job is to return to that time, to find that part of yourself that is missing and bring it back to you today. So another, not that a whole lot of people are buying houses these days, but if you were considering to buy a house, another Use of shamanism would be to work with a shaman or your own shamanic skills if you had them to communicate with the spirits of the land at the homes you're looking at buying and seeing where the spirits of the land are happy with the home. Because where the spirits of the land are happy with the home, the home sits well, rests well on the land. So there are many, many practical, everyday, contemporary reasons that we would engage in shamanism both for our own healing for our own decision-making, but also ultimately engaging in learning shamanic skills for ourselves as individuals to maintain our own well-being. So in the next uh, few minutes here before our break, what I'd like to um, talk about is what shamanism isn't. So... One of the couple things we need to look at are words that get thrown around about shamanism. One of those words is authentic, and the other word is traditional. And um, what I'd like for you to um, think about is, relative to shamanism, what authentic means is that the person who is practicing the shamanism is in a direct relationship with spirit. And that's what makes their work authentic. Human beings don't define whether or not someone's work is authentic. It is the relationship between the practitioner and the energies of the invisible world, which we'll talk about more when we come back from the break. The other word bandied about is traditional. And there are certainly coherent shamanic traditions today, and people can be um, called to shamanism within those lines. But the fact that someone is traditional, 
someone could be traditional and not authentic, and that would be a problem. So tradition, that someone is acting within tradition, does not necessarily mean they're acting in relationship with spirit. They may simply be doing what they've learned to do. And so we need to think about these two words as we think about shamanism as we go forward. So, so what is shamanism then? Shamanism, um, shamanism is, well, frankly, the work of the shaman. So what makes a shaman? The shaman is the functionary who works in relationship with spirits. So they're working with energies that are not visible to us ordinarily. And so, so they're activating altered states to um, engage with spirit. And so... Sorry, we're a little having a little technical difficulties here. I'm sorry, we're trying to get to break, and I'm not able to hear my cues from the from the technical guys. So sorry about that. Um, so the shaman is the person who is engaging in uh, techniques to work in altered states to connect with their spirit help. They're doing something in that invisible world to change things here in the physical world to meet the needs of the people or place or community. And that's the basic operating definition of shaman. Please give us a call with questions. And thank you very much for joining us. We're back. And thank you for joining me here this afternoon. I would love to have you call in and ask your questions on today's topic, which is why shamanism now and what's the point? Why should we bother with it in our challenging contemporary times? The number again to call in is 866-472-472. 5795. You're also welcome to send an email if that's easier for you. Or if you're, you know, listening at work and you're not supposed to be, so you have the volume down or something, you can send me an email. It is Christina at lastmaskcenter.org. All right, so why shamanism now? What's the point? What does it bring us? There's two main things that shamanism brings us today. One is it brings us access to um, an area of healing that most other modalities that are available to us don't quite access, and we'll talk about that on many, many shows. Today what I'd like to focus on is the second thing shamanism brings us because it is available to everybody, and not everybody wants to go get shamanic healing. I understand that. But there are aspects of shamanism that are available to all of us that can help every single one of us make better decisions. So. One of the things to understand, back to this whole idea of everything is connected and there's no way for any one of us to be disconnected from the divine energy that is the source of all things. From that, from a shamanic perspective, what that also means is that it is your birthright to have a direct working relationship with spirit. Um, So... Let me talk really quickly about that, and then we're going to take a question here. So, direct working relationship with spirit. What am I talking about? Well, let's talk about spirit first. I find the word spirit the only one we have in English to use, but it's a little bit problematic. Because when we talk about spirit, most people think about scary movies or Dead at Mabel or something that's really not what we're talking about. What we're really talking about from a shamanic perspective is this understanding that there is life force in all things. 
and that this life force, if we can tune in on the right frequency, we can communicate with. And so it's all about us as humans and our incredible creative potential to tune in through certain modalities, certain techniques, to the, the energies of other living things to access their wisdom and apply that wisdom to our life. Why would we want to do that? Well, for example, right now, we're not living terribly sustainably. Probably wouldn't get a whole lot of argument about that. Plants, ecosystems, live very sustainably. Maybe they have something to offer us to teach us about how to live sustainably. And so if we could talk to the plants, maybe we could find that out. And so this is the essence, then, of the spirit energy. It's really the life force in all things, which, of course, is all connected. So it's our ability to communicate with that. So direct working relationship with spirit. Direct means you are connecting to spirit without another person between you and that energy. That you are making a relationship from the divine essence of your own heart to whatever that equivalent divine essence is in these other energies. And it is that heart connection that allows you then to make direct connection with the helping spirits. Working. Ah, here is the most important piece, that it is a working relationship with spirit, meaning I'm a human. My life is challenging. I would like to not suffer. I have questions. I have a lot of questions, and some of them are really hard. And I take these questions through my direct relationship to spirit and ask for help, ask for guidance, ask for clarity, and get it. In that moment, I'm not hoping an answer is going to come somewhere later in my dreams. It's coming right then and there through the shamanic techniques. And I bring that answer back. I interpret it. I come to understand it. And then I decide the means by which I'm going to make that action, make that answer real in my life through action. So that is a direct working relationship with spirit. So what I'd like to do now is go to the phones because we have Jackie on the line. Hi. So what's your question for us today, Jackie? When you were introducing and saying that the shaman sometimes is the role of a psychologist, and I realize how many hours I have spent and how many dollars I have spent with psychiatrists and psychologists and how is shamanism different from that? It seems like, well, is it? How is it different from that? Well, it's a, that is an excellent question, and I think um, there's two ways that it's different. The main way that it's different is psychology is working with us through the logic and the wisdom of the mind and the way that the mind organizes things. And there is nothing wrong with that, because without the mind organizing things, we would all be in really big trouble. <laughs> However, spirit also organizes things. Our emotional body also organizes things, and our physical body organizes things. There are, there are these four wisdoms operating in a human. And when we need healing, we need to access the source of the problem. And sometimes the source of the problem is in that spirit wisdom. Sometimes the source of the problem is in emotional wisdom. It's not always in mental wisdom. So if we're not using 
modalities that allow us to access where the source of the problem is, we're never going to find it. And so what shamanism really offers us is the access to the problems where the root of the problem is in that spirit dimension of who we are. So to put it in simple language for us today, it allows us to get to the places where we feel wounded or bruised at our soul, where we feel that that knife, there was a energetic knife in our back, or they ripped our heart out, or they, you know, whatever, these these human experience of such profound suffering that it feels it has gone to our very core. And our mind is not our core. Our soul is at our core. And the shamanic techniques allow us direct access into that soul and spirit energy. Now, I said there were two parts of that answer, and I'm forgetting the other part. <laughs> Sorry about that. Um, oh, the other the other difference, I think, is simply time. Is that... Um, mental practices, psychology and um, psychiatry are therapeutic processes, just like massage and other body work where you go again and again and again and you gain a cumulative benefit from that. Whereas with shamanism, what you're asking for from a shaman is you're asking for a healing event. You are asking for the energy to be moved on your behalf because you're fed up with how it is. How it is isn't working. You're willing to give up control and, and holding on to how things are for the possibility of how things could be. And you're asking the shaman. So the shaman is moving, with your permission, into that invisible world and moving the energies around, bringing things back to you, maybe taking things out that don't belong there, but moving energies around so that you have a new complement of energy making up who you are. Ideally, that new version of you is you restored, you more whole, you having aspects of yourself you've lost contact to brought back. And those parts of yourself you've lost contact with are the ones that need to be talking to the therapist. So any sort of therapeutic activity you get involved in is going to be that much more rich and quick and fruitful if the parts of yourself who experience those soul wounds at the first place are there with you while you're having the therapy. So referring that the, the working with a shaman isn't to replace the psychiatry or the psychology, but to uh, guide it into a more fruitful uh, road, path. Well, my personal, yeah, my personal experience working with clients, and many of my clients do work with therapy, is that both modalities work best together. But Jackie, thank you so much for that question. We're having another break. And while we're on break, why don't you all think of your questions and give us a call. Welcome back. I was just talking at break with Gail. Gail's question was, um, she said, I understand this idea of oneness with spirit, but if I'm one with all things, does that mean I'm in oneness with people and with things that they do that I might not agree with and other things going on that are problematic? And and if so, am I responsible for that? And um, I was just kind of chuckling because that is really the crux of the issue is oneness means oneness. It means connection to all things. When I was in New York right after September 11th and I was asking, you know, where to begin, 
the spirits said, you know, humanity really screwed up this time. Not this group or that group, humanity. From a spirit perspective, we're just one big blob of energy. So, what does it mean to be connected with all things? It means a whole lot of things, which is why I'm going to talk to you every after every Wednesday afternoon at 2 o'clock because there's a lot that we need to do if we're going to accept responsibility and accountability for truly living as enlightened beings who are connected to all things. There's great benefit from that and great responsibility and accountability. So what I'd like to go from here, uh, from Gail's question about connectedness, is the place that that takes me, I guess I would say, is I'm just a person trying to make it work too, just like you. And I can't imagine trying to navigate my contemporary life without spirit help, without a direct working relationship with spirit. It is just too complicated. And it's too hard. And I don't have teenagers. I mean, imagine if I had teenagers. I can't, I can't a- imagine doing some of the things we are asked to do in our contemporary lives without help. It is just too hard. And I'm a grown-up, right? So I'm expected to make wise decisions and responsible decisions. And in the, in the meantime, somehow I want to enjoy my life and feel like I'm really expressing my true nature and doing something useful in the world. It's challenging. Right? So how do we do that? How do we navigate this reality, especially with this idea Gail has brought up, is that we're connected to everything. So how do we live in a good way? My sense is I can't even begin to answer that question without helping spirits. So I'm going to go to Joe's question. He emailed this. Um, Joe in Baltimore emailed, Are the helping spirits beings with independent agency, or are they just extensions of our own being that we have not uh, yet grown enough to own. Well, from a shamanic perspective, there is the oneness of which we are part, but most of us don't operate from the mindset of the oneness. Most of us operate from a human mindset. And from that perspective, the perspective of a human, the helping spirits are another aspect of that oneness that are coming to us to assist us. So it's not that they're another aspect of us, they are another aspect of the source or of the oneness of all things. Now, of course, we're part of that too. But there's a sense, not that we are self-generating, but that the universe or the oneness is generating the spirits that are coming to help us. They pick us. They are, as they relate to us, they have one agenda, which is the evolution of our soul in that oneness. And other than that, they don't have an agenda, which is why they're helpful. Um, Humans are helpful too, but humans have agendas. And the beauty of these helping spirits is that they don't, other than our own evolution. And yet we still, they are still bound and limited by our free will. We are still the ones that have to choose. So the helping spirits um, do bring us to our power. So there's a part of your question, Joe, that is really accurate, which is by being in relationship, by being in this direct working relationship with our helping spirits, we do grow and we are able to release things that no longer serve us and own our power and develop as beings. And so these are important relationships. Um, Although I don't personally see them as an extension of me. I see them as an extension of the source of all things coming to me to rescue me from my own foolishness. 
and to help me um, do a better job being the person that I've come here to be. So with that, Joe has a second question, which I think goes with sort of understanding what is it we're really talking about here, which is uh, why does the spirit realm provide reliable answers that we have difficulty, difficulty arriving at in ordinary awareness? The simple answer to that, and I think this is something we'll probably come back to regularly, show after show, because it is an important question, but the simple version is because the spirit world, in that place of oneness where all things are as they are meant to be, um, there is it, the spirits are not motivated by fear. And we are often motivated by fear. And so consequently, our ordinary awareness is often laced with fear. And because of that, we are not able to see often who we are, what we could be, and what our potential truly is. And because we we have a sense of limitation around ourselves that is fed by fear, we often just don't know. And the beauty of the the journeying um, technique or the shamanic techniques is it allows us to become comfortable with this way of moving beyond our ordinary consciousness, to be moved by the the technique of journeying into the spirit world in a way that is more than I could do intuitively and to gain answers that are beyond the reach of my ordinary awareness where I'm all crippled by my fears about things, and then bring that answer back to help me to grow ever more quickly and to um, evolve past the fears and perceived limitations that I have. So um, I think the spirit realm provides more reliable answers because the spirit realm pretty reliably isn't functioning out of fear, and we very, very often are. So these are all just questions that I'm receiving that are just sort of about how do we understand spirit and our relationship with spirit and how do we do things with that. And there is another question here from Nicole who's referring back to talking about the spirits of the land from the beginning of the show. And she said, well, how do I do that? I want to talk to the spirits of the land. How do I do that? And... This is this is really the essence of what we're talking about. Is to be talking about shamanism, we are talking about shamanic skills. And the shamanic skills are not particularly challenging to learn. They are your birthright. They are accessible to everyone. If you can dream, you can journey, which is the primary shamanic skill. And my sense is, is that our ability to journey does not make us shamans. It's what makes us human, that we are meant as humans. It is the design of the system that we are in direct working relationship with spirit. We are not meant to do this alone. We are meant to do this not only with each other in community, but to do this in the community of the spirit world and in the community of our environment, and that without the shamanic skills, we cannot reliably communicate with the energies of our environment and the spirit world to be in that communion and to receive that that benefit. So the shamanic journey then has a couple characteristics that are important for all of us to understand, especially since we live in a culture that doesn't really acknowledge altered states as healthy activities. <laughs> Most of them are pathologized by our medical system. Um, but... There are many, many, many cultures in the world. In fact, the majority of the cultures in the world see um, 
have culturally sanctioned altered states. And what that means is there's a culturally sanctioned technique, something your culture wants you to do, that allows you to enter an alternate state of awareness. And that regularly doing this practice is what keeps you sane, which is a departure from our culture that considers those altered states a sign of mental illness, but we can discuss that on another show. Um, and that will be a fun show. Um, but until then, so what the journey does then is shamanic um, trance states or the journey state is induced, which means you're using something to move you beyond your ordinary state of awareness into this altered state of awareness or alternate state of awareness. In the shamanic altered states, you are in direct relationship with the helping spirit. And in the shamanic altered states, you are task-focused. So this makes them different from most meditative altered states, whether we're getting there through meditation or through yoga or any of the other ancient practices. In many of those practices, you are dispersing your sense of self and connecting to the oneness. And these are all admirable practices. They are different from shamanic altered states in that in the shamanic altered states, you are task-focused, meaning you're there with a certain amount of self-awareness and you have a job to do. You have a purpose for being there. So for you as an everyday person, if you were to learn to journey to access this altered state and connect with your helping spirits, your purpose would usually be to go ask a question, to get help in the problem-solving of your life and the decision-making of your life. It can also be to go ask for healing and things like that. But mainly, your relationship with your helping spirits is to help you be the best version of yourself you can be and to meet the challenges life has um, in that endeavor. And so everybody has helping spirits. And I guess we'll spend the last part of our show after this break talking a little bit more about spirit help and the fact that you all have them. The issue now is that you learn how to use them. Thank you all for being with me here this afternoon. And the number again is 866-472-5795 if you want to call in and ask. Thank you all very much. Hello, everyone. Let's see. Let's take this final little chunk of time here, since there aren't any callers, to put a couple of these things together. So in the beginning of the show, I was talking about shamanic cultures and a shamanic paradigm. And what I'd like for you all to understand about these first pre-contact shamanic cultures, meaning before any of the other cultures got there, is that every adult in these cultures practiced whatever the culturally sanctioned way of communicating with spirit was. And, and just to put this in the context of the language we use today in contemporary shamanism, basically all the adults journeyed or all the adults used whatever the trance state was to connect with spirit because they understood that to bear the responsibility of being an adult, you needed help and that spirit help was there. And whether they were connecting to their ancestor help or their totem spirit help or whatever culturally they were expected to communicate with, as adults, they were expected to communicate. And so that also ties in with Gail's question about, oh my goodness, if, we're all, if I'm connected to everything, what does that mean about the things I don't really want to be connected to? Um, how do we then navigate our responsibility as adults and our responsibility as, as citizens of this globe? How, how do we navigate those responsibilities? 
And my sense is that the simplest way to do that is to get some divine intervention. We all need a little divine intervention once, once in a while. We all need spirit help. It's just too complicated otherwise. And so the beauty of shamanic journeying as one of several trance states that shamans use around the globe, but we'll just talk about journeying tonight, which is the ability, your ability, by um, working with the, with the energy that's going to induce your trance state to move into the spirit world, to connect with your helping spirits, and yes, you do have helping spirits, and learn to work with them and develop this direct working relationship so that you can have counsel. You don't have to necessarily pay constantly for those professionals that offer you counsel, but you can get counsel from spirit. You can receive some amount of healing directly from spirit through your own working relationship with spirit you, in your helping spirit, will find someone who will call your lies lies in the lies you tell yourself. And so you can make up for the fact that you may not have a friend who's willing to do that. That these helping spirits fill many, many roles in our life. And the beauty of working with them is we step up not only in our own power, but our own authority in our life. And then when we do choose to see a specialist, we are choosing because we've done all that we can ourselves and that specialist has that extra gift to offer us instead of going to specialists constantly just to simply put us back together again. That if we all maintained a healthy relationship, healthy working relationship with spirit, there's a great deal of our own self-maintenance, our own well-being, our own self-care that we would have guidance in all the time and that those excellent trained professionals around us then are not something we regularly have to go to, but periodically go to. And this is an important thing as you all look at how am I going to make money in the coming year and how am I going to spend that money? And how am I going to be able to do that without having to sacrifice my spiritual growth and development? Well, one of the main ways to do that would be simply to learn to journey, to connect with your own helping spirits, and begin to develop that working relationship so that they can assist you in all of the things in your life you really could be doing, supporting, acting on yourself. And then that allows you to move out from there into community in an even uh, healthier way and to move in those moments where you need it to those trained professionals that you do need. So this is part of the gift, I think, that shamanism offers us today, especially in these challenging times where there's lots of questions we have, lots of challenging decisions we have to make, and those decisions have ramifications on many things in our life. And I think in many moments, has a day gone by in the last three months where you haven't wished you had a little divine intervention. So let me back up then to how you can get that divine intervention. So Working with your helping spirits, I've, I've talked about it being, uh, shamanic journeying being an induced trance state. There are many different things that shamans around the globe will use to help to move them into the shamanic trance state. Um, traditionally, across, across, around the globe, those could be plant hallucinogens. There's a whole other group called sonic drivers, which are anything creating a rhythm from a click sticks to didgeridoo to the drum to any kind of percussion, to rattles, um, 
and then moving on vibrationally into strings, like stringed instruments, and ultimately into metals, like bowls and bells. And these are all potential sonic drivers. And then we move on in different uh, ways to drive the shamanic journey into um, dancing, fasting, chanting, uh, physical things that a human being can do. So with all of these options for us, Things get narrowed down pretty easily when we're looking at what's practical in our life today. Uh, in the U.S., most of the plant hallucinogens, unless you're members of particular churches, are illegal and not real practical if you need an answer before work. The dancing, chanting, fasting uh, group of um, modalities that uh, um, induce trance states are not that practical before work either because usually it takes several days of dancing, chanting, or fasting to really get into the altered state, and that's not real practical in the middle of the work week either. And so that brings us to the sonic drivers, which are very practical in our contemporary life for the main reason that they can be recorded, that they can be reproduced, and we can listen to them whenever we need to. We don't need to keep you know, a little um, musician in the closet for, to drag them out when we need to journey but that we have them on our, you know, iPods, and we can journey any time. Um, and so the beauty, and we have a debt uh, we owe to Michael Horner for of uh, the Foundation for Shamanic Studies for helping to codify this practice we now call journeying. Um, it's it's cross culturally and found all around the globe, but um, the foundation has helped to codify it for us here in the West. And that is the practice by which we use usually a drum, but it can be drum or rattle, any of the sonic drivers, to move us out of our ordinary thinking, if we go back to Joe's question, that ordinary state of awareness where we're not quite getting the answer. And we listen to that sonic driver. We use the simple discipline of journeying. We move our awareness into the invisible world that is primarily inhabited by spirit. We meet our helping spirit there, live and in person, we have a conversation, we have an adventure, we have whatever the answer is to our question. And then we draw that experience back, come back into our regular waking awareness. We usually write it down because it's usually a pretty big answer. And then we interpret. And in that way, we gain the divine intervention that we need in our life. I'd like to thank you all for joining me here today. If you'd like some more definitions about shamanism, the Encyclopedia of Shamanism is available on the website. And for more information about classes and healing, you can also go to the website, which is www.lastmaskcenter.org. Thank you for joining me here this afternoon. I hope you'll join us next week and the weeks that follow. Next week's show is about accessing your birthright and truly creating your own direct working relationship with spirit. So thank you all. And I give thanks to the ancestors that stand behind you and be Thanks to the energy of the earth below us and the sky above. And thanks to the energy in each of your hearts, because it's through our hearts that we will all unite and are able to connect to that great Have an exquisite day.